Well, praise God. It's so uh, good to be with you this morning. I hope Kelly turned this on. If not, why? <laughs> then it would not be on. <laughs> but um, last week when Pastor was sharing with us and uh, teaching, he hit on some things that just resonated in my spirit. So when he asked me to take prayer school this morning, I just went right back to it and say, okay, we're just digging it some more, you know, and see what the Lord has for us there. And um, I know pastor's been teaching for several weeks now about the Ephesians prayer, and I'm huge on it. And he's been explaining to us how important it is for New Testament saints and how we ought to be praying more like that and more of those things. And, of course, just maybe a week and a half ago, in my personal prayer time, the Lord just resonated one verse that we always read and, and study here. And that's just to give you an example of how important that is. It encapsulates so much, the one verse. And that's Colossians 1.9. So before we go to Matthew 6, which is where we're going to spend most of our time this morning, we will um, look at Colossians 1.9. And uh, just see how much juice in that one verse. <laughs> I mean, it's loaded up for bear. And if we just make it a habit, go into God's word, all of God's word in the same manner, it's just limitless what we'll get from it. One verse. I heard somebody put it this way. One word from God received the right way will change your life forever. And so one nine, Colossians 1.9 says... For this cause, we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to desire that ye might be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. You say, yeah, I heard those words over and over and over. But... Um, reason why they jumped out so big at me was because the Lord dealt with me years ago to just study the subject of wisdom, godly wisdom. Because you know there's godly wisdom and there's devilish wisdom. And the world today, especially when they want to stay far away from God, if you find them operating in any version of wisdom at all, it'll be devilish wisdom. Self, you know, seeking, self, lifting up, Besmirching somebody else, putting somebody else down, I mean, elbowing on the way up, elbowing, you know, and conniving, you know, those kinds of things, backbiting, backstabbing. I mean, you can go on and on. It'll all be devilish wisdom. But one way to identify godly wisdom is that it's not, number one, not going to have any of those in it, but then it's going to have the peace of God in it. It's going to be joy. There's going to be righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost when you're operating in the wisdom of God. Amen? So if you find yourself pressured, that's not God. I always put it this way. If it's like a used car's salesman tactics, it's not God. Because if it's God today, guess what? It'll be God tomorrow. It'll be God next week. It'll be God next month. Come on in. You're fine. It'll be God next year. And so you don't have to worry about being too fast. It's better to be slow than to be too fast, and then you got to do a whole lot of damage control and begging God to forgive you and apologize and putting a Band-Aid on the knees and all like that. But make sure you got the peace of God inside of you to operate 
in the wisdom of God. But he says in this verse, this verse here that he's praying that and desiring that we might be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. Amen. Notice there are three main words I want to call your attention to before we go to Matthew 6. We're going to spend most of our time in Matthew 6, but the Lord's just leading us here for now. And hey... If he tells us, stay here, then bless God, that's what he's really wanted, all right? <laughs> so the three main words in Colossians 1.9 is knowledge, is wisdom, and it's understanding. And several years ago, the Lord just put on my heart how strong it is to just understand and stay with the wisdom of God. So I grab a series from Brother Keith Moore. And uh, I just plugged it in my car more than a year, a year ago. And I don't use the car very much, maybe once or twice a week type of thing. And that's all that plays in there. <laughs> Every time I jump in a car, that's what I'm hearing. The wisdom of God. I've been through the series a couple of times before. But guess what? If you go to the Word multiple times with the right heart attitude, you'll get more. You'll get more. You'll keep getting more. You think you got it, but go back again with the right heart attitude, humbling yourself before the Lord and just saying, God, I'm here to get it. I want more. I, if I didn't get it before, help me. You know, right. so we're looking for knowledge. We're looking for understanding and we're looking for wisdom. Now you say, what are the three? Some, Sometimes we mesh them all together the same like one thing. No, they're not the same. Knowledge is just the information about something. Data. Okay? And that's why some people mistake, you know, those with multiple degrees as having a lot of wisdom. Book learn knowledge. They just got information. And then some of them are blessed to have understanding about the matter. And that's where the other word comes into play. Give you a quick example. We all drove to come here this morning, right? Now, a lot of us don't know how the internal combustion engine work in the car. We don't need to, but we can still enjoy the benefits of it, right? Amen. Some people just know about it. The mechanics that go through the physical training and the certification all know the details about how it works. They have understanding. That's why when something goes wrong and you take it to them, they can identify the problem, they can fix it for you. We don't have understanding with our autos and stuff. Most of us don't. Some people are blessed to have it. They can do it yourself. I'm not one of those. I know a few things just to be dangerous, all right? I can get the tires fixed. I can, you know, those kinds of things. I know when the batteries need jumping. I know how to jump it. Well, I jump in me. <laughs> those kind of things I learned over the years just by having a bunch of old cars. Thank God it's improving. They are getting newer and newer, all right? <laughs> but the point is understanding. We can have knowledge without understanding, and that knowledge will be useless to us. If we have understanding, we know how to tell the difference. We know how to make the right judgment. We know the value of things when we have understanding, right? And so we can quickly decipher right from wrong. We can quickly decipher the voice of God from the voice of the enemy, the voice of the distractor, right? That's understanding. We know what is holy and we know what is not. We know what to give our attention to more and we know what is just distraction and need not take so much of our attention. That's understanding. Yeah. 
And this verse is saying, the Apostle Paul is praying for the saints here in Colossae and to us too, that he's praying that um, he desires that we be filled first with the knowledge of his will, to know what God's will is. Because if you don't know the will, you don't even know how to fulfill it or to please him, right? So if you know, uh, you're filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom, in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. Well, you got the wisdom. Now, wisdom, on the other hand, is not just the understanding and telling the difference. Wisdom is being skillful. Skillful to know how to apply that understanding you have based on the knowledge you have. Right? Knowing when to do what. Because you can have all the right information, you can know the judgment, but when to apply it and how. That's where the wisdom of God comes in. And so he's praying that we have, we be filled with all the knowledge of God's will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. So those three words, saints, are huge <laughs> in that one verse. You can spend a lifetime just trying to understand more and more of God because it's all embedded in God. He wants us to be filled with his wisdom. That's why I said Jesus has made to us wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. Amen? Amen. So praise God. I just went over to Colossians just to point out how loaded the epistles, prayers are that pastor's been teaching us about. It was just one verse. The Lord just blew up inside of me, and I I couldn't stop. One morning I was just walking. I couldn't stop saying, Lord, I'm filled with the knowledge of your will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. I'm filled. And boy, the more I said it, the more I felt like I'm about to explode. (laughs) That's how he works. And does it mean I've arrived? No, no, no. I probably just tipped the tip of the iceberg. (laughs) Hello? You see, there's so much in our God. It's huge. It's overwhelming. And if we approach him understanding that and just humbling ourselves to that, the sky is the limit. Amen? And so uh, we're here to pray this morning. And I mentioned that we're going to spend most of our time in Matthew chapter 6. But there again, as we sit in prayer and pass his teaching, the Holy Spirit's teaching through him. Yes, but then he's also talking to you about what pastor's talking about. And that's how it is when anybody stands before you to teach, preach the word of God. The Holy Spirit's teaching through that individual, but then he's also ministering directly to you on a very personal level. And so if you're aware of that, then you'll catch it when he highlights something for you. That is just branded for you. Then you grab it and jump on it with all fours. Amen? (laughs) So uh, we're going to look at uh, Matthew chapter 6. We know that's where Jesus taught what we call the Lord's Prayer. And we're not going to spend a whole lot lot of time on just that because it's verses 9 through 13. But we're just going to look at the things surrounding it. Because he's talking about different structures. And, and last week, or maybe the last time I was here, I think it was last week, Pastor mentioned three things that just jump out at me about things that we should do discreetly. You know, if you remember correctly, he said prayer, he said giving of alms, and he said fasting. And when he said those three things, they jump out at me. I said, I'm going to look at them more closely. I'm going to study them some more. And so the Lord just led me right back to what the Lord had to say about it, what he had to say about Jesus now. 
And so we're going to spend some time looking at it, and, and by the grace of God, give us some time, maybe 15 minutes to pray, and give you time to get to service early. I'll try my best. And, uh, okay. So we're going to look at the King James Version, and I'm going to pull up the, uh, the message on this uh, phone and make sure that we get some more insights. Thank God for these uh, different paraphrase and translations and stuff. They allow us to see more in a lot of instances, but we do want to be cautious and compare them with the authorized version. Amen? The uh, King James or New King James is what's going to help you to stay on the right track with them. Okay, Matthew chapter 6. Okay, I'm starting in the King James Version. Jesus is saying here, talking first about giving of alms. He said, take heed that you do not your alms before men to be seen of them, nor um, otherwise you have no reward of your Father which is in heaven. Therefore, when thou doest thine alms, do not sound a trumpet before thee, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may be that they may have glory of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. And then he proceeds to tell us how to do it. First he tells us how not to do it, right? So if we can scratch that part off, we're in a good place. If we stay there, guess what? We're in limbo. We're in the middle. We don't want to stay in the middle. We want to go and learn how to do it. So, verse 3, but when thou do it, when thou doeth alms, or when you give alms, let not that le- thy left hand know what thy right hand doeth, that thy alms may be in secret, and thy father which sees in secret himself shall reward thee openly. Let's see how the uh, message says it. Number one, it entitles the little section, The World is Not a Stage. It's not not about performance. It's not about acting. It's not about showing off before men. Amen? And you see, of course, hear these words as I read. Be especially careful when you are trying to do good so that you don't make a performance of it. It might be good theater, but God, but the God who made you won't be applauding because that means you missed something. You missed the mark, you missed the point, you missed the motive involving the whole idea of giving, right? We give, he he show us what our giving should, should be by his most precious gift, in John 3.16, remember, he so loved us that he gave. And so when we gave, it's an expression of what? God. It's an expression of his love in us with no other motives. We want to see that life blessed and touched and impacted and changed. Whether we give finances or our time of, or our love or our encouragement or our prayers, giving should always be done and motivated by the love of God. Amen? And if it's not, we missed it. That's when he said we go into the motions, but we're not going to get jack out of it. The light's on, but nobody's home. Amen? And we don't want to be like that. Amen? 
He said, when you do something for someone else, don't call attention to yourself. I really love this translation because you have to pay somebody to help you misunderstand what's being said here. They talk like us, right? <laughs> Especially when they nail the concept in the same spirit of what the scriptures say. They just put the right words there and it helps you to get it quickly. Um, when you do something for someone else, don't call attention to yourself. You've seen them in action. I'm sure play actors, I call them, treating prayer meeting and street corner alike as a stage acting compassion, compassionate as long as someone is watching. That means they're into it and compassionate about it so long as they got an audience. You know, hey, do it in your private places. Do it quietly when nobody's looking. That's the real expression of the heart of God. When nobody else knows about it but you and God. Amen? And then uh, play into the crowd. They get applause, true, but that's all they get. You know, just the fickle, fickle, you know, earthly stuff, and that's it. It stops right there. When the applause ends, everything ends right there. Because it was, it was not done with the right motive. When you help, help someone out, don't think about how it looks. Just do it quietly and unobtrusively. It is the way your God who perceives, who conceived you in love, working behind the scenes, help you out. That's just how he takes care of us. A lot of times he does things for us we don't even know. He protects us. Sometimes we don't even have to know the details. Later on we find out that we were that close to some sort of disaster. He is so good. Now, only if he wants to teach us something is when we know some of the details. But I believe there are tons of stuff he protects us and provides for us in ways that we don't even know about. When we get to heaven, we'll be like, wow, he opened this other door. Wow. <laughs> wow. I never knew that. Not knowing how close to complete destruction you were. But the love of God and the faithfulness of God kept you. That's right. That's how he does it. And that's why he's instructing us to live like him. Do it like him. Amen. And so uh, our prayers is the next thing he jumps into. This was about giving of alms. The three things that we ought to do discreetly. Right? Now on the giving of alms part. I'm sorry, but the prayer part. I mentioned briefly about it. Of course, that's where we had the Lord's Prayer. The model prayer, verses 9 through 13. But we'll read the verses around that real quickly. Because of course, what Jesus did was that he gave some instructions first. And then what we call the Lord's Prayer was a mere example of it. Of what he was teaching. Alright? And so praying the Lord's Prayer in and of itself is not bad. But if we stop there, then we stop really short. <laughs> All right. So let's read the verses around what he was talking about in relationship to the Lord's prayer. He said, and when thou prayers, thou shalt not be as the hypocrites are. They love to pray standing in the synagogues and in the corners of the street <clears throat> that they may be seen of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. If that's their only motive, it stops there. Same thing with giving, right? But thou, then he proceeds to tell us how to pray. Okay, not what to pray, but how. He says, thou, when, when thou prayest, enter into thy closet. And when thou hast shut thy door, pray to thy father, which is in secret. 
and thy father which sees in secret will shall reward thee openly. Amen? First, it has to be private. And he's saying closet, but it's just symbolic of whatever your private place is, that time alone, wherever you find you're undistracted. If it just means turning off your electronic devices so that they don't bleep, bleep, interrupt you. Because Lord knows how much these things are interrupted. I just keep mine silent. I tell myself, and I did for many years, I'm not that important. I'll check. I'll find out later. <laughs> and then I just check it periodically. And then find the important things, respond to them, and trash the trash, you know. <laughs> and so you live a much quieter life than every day when it's the bleep is jumping. And I, you know, just going after living by the bleep. <laughs> All right? So uh, God can talk to us a whole lot better that way when we're quiet most of the time, you know, in his presence and communicating and fellowship with him on a regular basis. That's why he says pray without ceasing. That means you never stop praying. All right? Always in communication with him, talking to him about everything. Amen? And uh, praise God. So Jesus telling us here that we should go into our closet and pray to our Father in secret, and He will reward us openly. He sees in secret. He knows what's in our heart even before we ask, or even before we say, or even before we bring them out. Amen? But He still does want us to bring them out. So we shouldn't like use that as an excuse. He already knows, so no need to pray. <laughs> no, that we missed that part. So we should still communicate with Him. Verse 7, He said, But when you pray, use not vain repetition as the heathens do. For they think that they shall be heard for their much speaking. I read that, and I couldn't help but be reminded of the story of Elijah and the prophets of Baal. Remember when he challenged them? That the one who's God will be the one that answers by fire? And he had them go first. And the scripture tells us how they beat their drums and dance and cut themselves and yell and holler and stuff and made a lot of noises and chanted and all like that. And of course, nothing happened. Sometimes as believers, if we're not careful, we get into the flesh and we think we ought to do like that to make God do stuff. That's why it's so important to find the scripture that we have our prayers based on first and then pray the word. If you pray the word and pray in faith, then you don't have to be like the heathens and pray over and over and over. Because however many times over you pray, minus one, we're all in unbelief. If you ever manage to get to belief, <laughs> the first prayer should have been enough if you believed. And so our prayers, especially prayers of petition, prayers of faith, should not be very long prayers. We should identify the issue, see the word, get ourselves full of faith, and pray one time. And then thank God for it. If it comes to our minds before there it is, before the full manifestation, thank Him for it. Thank Him for His faithfulness that He watches over His Word to perform it. And of course you know the story about Elijah. Uh, Elijah, I believe, the one with the J. Um, it says during the time of the evening sacrifice, he instructed them to you know, set up the altar of God and to prepare the sacrifice on the altar. And he didn't stop there. He told them to drench it with water. I mean, pour water on the sacrifice. You're about to set something on fire. Is that a good thing to drench the wood? He wanted no mistake. 
that it was the miracle working power of God that was going to be demonstrated there. It said the ditches around the altar, he had him filled with water. And all he had to do was raise his hand to the God of heaven and acknowledge him. And the God who answers by fire did his thing. Scripture said, lick up all the water from all around the altar. And all the people bend their heads to the ground, worshiping the God of heaven. That was a quick, short prayer he did during the time of the evening sacrifice. He didn't have to dance and go into motion and dance and do some aerobics and all like that and do the cankero hops and all. No, no, no. He was set about it before he even prayed. And that's why Jesus could pray at the tomb of Lazarus. Lord, I thank you. You always hear me. Amen? But for the sake of them who are listening, I'll say it so, in, so they can hear it. And he said, Lazarus, come forth. I heard an old preacher say, if he hadn't said Lazarus, every dead body would have right. jumped out. <laughs> I was like, glory to God. He's right. But he identified who he wanted to come out. And that's who came out. Amen? But praise God. So our prayers, he said, shouldn't be like the heathens, where they pray vain repetitions. And to be heard for their much speaking, verse 8, uh, uh, Be not therefore like them, for your Father knows the things that you have need of even before you ask. And then he goes into the example slash the motto prayer, the Lord's Prayer. In this manner pray, and then he goes on. Look at verse 14, after he prays the Lord's Prayer. He said, And if you forgive men their trespasses, your Heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you forgive not men their trespasses, neither would your Heavenly Father forgive you. You see how big an issue that is. After going through the example, he's like, oops, I think I left something out. This one's huge. Don't miss it. Forgive, or you'll not be forgiven. Amen? So if we got anything, any stumbling block in our life, in relationship with people on a horizontal level, it'll affect our relationship with our Heavenly Father. So get it right. Get it right quickly. Be quick to say, I'm sorry, for the sake of peace. Even if that person want to act like the devil, pray for them. Release them and ask God to give them wisdom. Sometimes you will get that response quickly, sometimes later, sometimes never. But as much as depends on you, release that. Release that. You don't need to be holding that poison. That's right. Hoping that the other person would die of it. You got it. <laughs> you drank it. So release that thing. Take the antidote. Walk in love. Amen? And so that's what Jesus is highlighting here in terms of prayer. And all of this should be done, what? Privately. Privately. Between you and the person, if it's an issue of unforgiveness. And then I think several layers before you have to go bring in the elders of the church and all that kind of business. But a lot of times it's discreetly, privately. Amen? Not a big old fanfare. And then last but not least is the one regarding fasting. Um, let me just read the uh, prayer one first in the message, just to give you some additional words there. And when you come before God, don't turn, don't turn that into a theatrical production either. All these people making a regular show out of their prayers, hoping for stardom. Do, do you think God sits in a box seat? Here's what I want you to do. Find a quiet, secluded place so you don't be tempted to role play before God. Just be there as simply and honestly 
as you can manage. And focus, the focus will shift from you to God, and you will begin to sense His grace. The world is full of so-called prayer warriors who are prayer ignorant. Therefore, they're full of formulas and programs and advice peddling techniques, forgetting what you want from God. Don't fall for that nonsense. This is your father you're dealing with, and he knows better than you what you need. With a God like that, loving you, you can pray very simply. And then he goes into the model prayer like this. All right? Praise God. Look at the last part of this after the model prayer. He said, in prayer, from, uh, it's verse 14. I'm reading from the uh, message. In prayer, there is a connection between what God does and what you do. You can't get forgiveness from God, for instance, without also giving, forgiving others. If you refuse to do your part, you cut yourself off from God's part. So it's not God withholding from us if we refuse to forgive. It's us sawing off the branch <laughs> that we're sitting on. All right. So that's not a smart move. We are cutting ourselves off from what God has for us. Amen? Yeah. So we should make sure we guard against such things. Okay, then back to uh, the issue of fasting, which is verse 16 in the uh, King James. And the subtitle in this Bible, Don't Fast Like the Hypocrites. Moreover, when you fast, be not as the hypocrites of a sad countenance, for they disfigure their faces, that they may appear unto men to fast. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. And then he proceeds to tell us how to do it. But thou, when thou fastest, anoint thine head and watch thy face, that thou appear not to men to fast, but unto thy Father which is in secret. And thy Father which sees in secret shall reward thee openly. Amen? Let's go ahead and read the uh, message part of that. It said, don't hoard. No, uh, not that one. What they said, verse 16. All right, there it is. When you practice some appetite-denying discipline to better concentrate on God. You see, I like the way they put it. Because it's you denying yourself so that you can be sensitive to God because fasting doesn't change God. It helps us to be more sensitive to Him. Amen? It disciplines us and keeps us away from feeding the flesh and having the flesh have a louder voice so that the Spirit hears more clearly. Amen? And then do it as you're led. Don't, don't do it as a punishment. God's not in that business. Jesus already took all the punishment. That's required for us to have peace with God. And so if he leads you to fast, it's not because he wants to punish you. It's because he's leading you to help yourself to be more sensitive to him so you're sharper, so you hear him better. Amen? And so it's all for love. And so uh, he's saying here that if we do something like that, to concentrate on God, don't make a production of it. 
It might turn you into a small-time celebrity, but it won't make you a saint. If you go into training inwardly, act normally outwardly. Shampoo your hair, comb your hair, brush your teeth, wash your face. Men, I'll say, shave properly, make sure you're groomed. Amen? And then God doesn't require attention-getting devices. He doesn't require us to do that. If the motive is just to be seen of men and to get the attention of people, He won't overlook what you are doing. He'll reward you well. If you do it His way, don't worry about the rewards. The benefits will show up. You'll see it. It'll come knocking you down. Just surely goodness and mercy will follow you all the days of your life. Amen? Amen. And you'll be tripping up with the goodness of God just because you're focusing on the right thing the right way, the way He says to do it. Amen? Praise God. Amen. Glory to God. And so the three things that we ought to do discreetly, privately, quietly, only between us and God, is giving giving of alms, you know, whether in church or to individuals, giving of our time, giving of our love, giving of our encouragement. And then um, next one is prayer, our personal relationship with Him, talking to Him, fellowshipping with Him. And then even at times when He leads us to have periods of times of fasting, those three things should be very private and they should be very uh, uh, intimate between us and God. So for the next 10 minutes or so, we are going to pray. And um, I was, um, I did make a list. There we go. Made a short list. And I know sometimes the list can be long, but I just want to say things out there so the Lord can just resonate certain things in your heart. And then you can spend more time praying in the spirit on whichever one he tells you. But the list was like, pray for our families, our individual families. Pray for our church, faith builders, as well as the body of Christ, that we continue to do the things that God wants us to do in these last days, and be bold, be courageous, be an instrument for righteousness in the communities and all like that. Of course, then praying for our communities, praying for our state, our country, the world, and then for the return of the Lord. And those are the things that the Lord just put on my heart that we need to spend the next 10 minutes just praying about. Amen? And so this kind of prayer now, because I've been talking about the things we need to do privately. Now, prayer in that context is our personal, individual prayer life, right? But when we come together as a group in prayer school or in church and we pray together, we're doing what we call corporate prayer. And that's where we hook up on some of these things I just listed and just pray in English as much as you know, and pray in the Spirit as well. Amen? Amen? So I'll pray in English for a little bit, and then I'll pray in the Spirit. I want you to do the same. You can listen to me some when I'm praying in English, but if I'm praying in the Spirit, if you want to listen to me, make sure you believe in God for interpretation. Amen? <laughs> Praise God. Father, we're so grateful for your, mes- for your message this morning. Thank you for reminding us of those things that are precious and intimate to your heart. We just set ourselves this morning to just seek your face. We thank you for what our hearts have received from your spirit as the word went forth. We thank you for our families. Thank you for watching over those things that are precious to us, those precious ones that are our loved ones. Thank you for keeping them safe. And those that are unsafe, Father, thank you for sending laborers in their past, Father, people that they would have respect for and, and, and give heed to. <coughs> 
that would draw them to your love and to your heart, Father. We thank you for ministering to the needs of our family and providing for us on every turn. Thank you for your divine and supernatural protection, dear God. Thank you for keeping us from all hurt, harm, and danger. We love you, Lord, and we thank you for showing yourself so faithful in so many ways in our lives. We pray now for our church faith builders, family church. Thank you for this uh, body of believers that you've connected us to and made us part of. Help us, Father, to be wise and to walk in your wisdom and to pray for one another, to love one another and to uh, be a part and to serve, to put our hands to the plow. Lord, we thank you for showing yourself strong in the things that you've given Pastor as the visions for this church for 2019. We thank you for helping us to be part of that, to plug in, to find our places, to be prayer warriors, Father. Not putting flower in our lapels, but trusting you to show us our part, to hook up with you, and to be your instruments for righteousness. We pray for the uh, upcoming Easter revival, those services with Brother Pierre. We plead the blood of Jesus for our community, dear God. We thank you that lives will be touched, lives will be changed, that our church will be an instrument for good in our community, and we thank you that we'll help to be a part of that, Father. Quente munduru kuente brashta mondo soto mondo hai hai kiki fred fred kanka himbri jeje brustu konko tata ningre city shampra hombro soto ministering angels we thank you lord for ministering angels to just bring the people in that the invitation would be a jolt on their hearts that they will be drawn to your love and your goodness and we thank you that the word of god will go forward with power and the power of your spirit the resurrection power of Jesus Christ will be ministering to the hearts and lives and that they'll never be the same again in Jesus name kushtro yente kushtro sheshe kushtro yampa mangarakrazegre mengre hopro bostoro pro quanta igri fremfre Tikrishanta sonurukuvrede, mantre prete conto soto, bostro pro campra prikiriki conto, nindae chichi nindae hede, braste hodo braste suntu, mundu fuere kikikenke. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We glorify you. Thy kingdom come and thy will be done in Rogers, Arkansas. Conta higri frem fregigi, briste hondo son so quaquayem prepridi, bristiri pricanta chu. Chukwenke, Yimbiri Prideshte, Yandra Frodo, Yandra Fwende, Mantra Putu, Mantra Dodo, Brosto Kankayede, Fremfredidi, Fremfre Yambra, Montre Pata, Konyoro Frokanta Yimiri Privrevre. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We glorify you, Lord. We glorify you, Lord. We thank you for your faithfulness, O God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. We thank you, Master, for the state of Arkansas. 
we, we thank you for just showing yourself faithful and counteracting with the gospel of Jesus Christ all the negative things that we are challenged with in the state of Arkansas. One of them is the attacks on the families, attacks on marriages. We plead the blood of Jesus, Father. We plead the blood of Jesus that, Lord, through your ministers and through all of those in different churches in the area and in the state, that light will come to believers' hearts and that the church will rise up and counteract that assault of the enemy and guard and protect our families and our homes and our loved ones. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We glorify you for your faithfulness to the state of Arkansas. That Arkansas will rise up to be a place where there's light, where there's more and more light in Jesus' name. We thank you for the work that you call us to do as the body of Christ. That the body of Christ as a whole will be faithful to stand up and rise up in these end times. And just allow your word to flow through us and that we be light to the glorious gospel of Jesus. Jesus Christ, and see the nets drawn in, that lives will be changed and brought into the kingdom. Help us, Master, to do our part. Help us to be faithful to do our part. Thank you, Father, for it now in Jesus' name. Sonte yebe jenche, yambra soto, yambra hodo, yambra chichi, yambra kenke, beshtre hambra sonto. Thank you, Lord, that this world is not going to the enemy. We thank you that it belongs to you because you so love the world that you give. We thank you that this world is not going to hell in the handbasket. We plead the blood of Jesus for those for the, for the message of the gospel to go to the ends of the earth. And Father, we thank you for lives to continually be touched and changed for the kingdom of God. We thank you, Father, that we use every tool available at our disposal to do our part. And we thank you that we'll, we'll be praying also and sending and, and, and giving and, and resources and everything that you lead us to give. We thank you for showing yourself so faithful. We love you, Lord. We glorify you. Thank you for your faithfulness. And we thank you for this time of prayer. We thank you that much good is being done by your spirit. And we glorify you for your faithfulness to your word in and through our lives. In Jesus' mighty name, we give you praise. Amen. 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 Well, thank you guys. Thank you for being a part of prayer. And um, it's a pleasure, you know, sharing the word of God and joining you in prayer. Um, Let's go be a blessing out there in service. Amen. Amen. You're dismissed. This message has been brought to you by Faith Builders Family Church. To learn more, please visit our website, www.faithbuilderschurch.net. Dot net.